Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey, Winley. G. how are you? I mean, it's Monday. I really wish that it was Friday. But it's Monday, so. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, still um, looking forward to this week for sure. Arash, definitely looking forward to this week. This is this is a really big week for us, Shihei. Again, last year we were in Tampa Bay, um, the most depressing radio row setup you've ever seen. Uh, but now we are in Los Angeles, our home. And GA, we are gonna be on Super Bowl Radio Row the rest of the week. Uh, you know, this is a quick turnaround uh, for me. I was just in Las Vegas for the Pro Bowl yesterday. GA, by the way, I did not know. I did not get the memo that the Pro Bowl was now a two-hand touch game. I had to kind of do a double take at the beginning of that game, wondering why players were or why the play was dead, and. I had to do some homework, and I had to realize that apparently in 2019 uh, they had come to a decision that this is now a two-hand touch game. I mean, I mean, one of the uh, highlight moments in Pro Bowl history was Sean Taylor like laying out a punter. And I'm not listen. I don't want like anyone to get hurt in this game, but like that's not football. Like flag football is not real football. Two-hand touch is not real football. So, anyways, I was at the Pro Bowl. Yesterday, I had a great time. I had a great time in Las Vegas. I mean, what an amazing weekend in Vegas. I mean, this is one of those um, incredible moments where you realize, you know, how far Vegas has come as a sports town. The um, NHL All-Star Weekend was there. And then you had uh, the Pro Bowl was there. The Shrine Bowl was there. The college football uh you know, all, all those uh, future draft picks were there. So it was really like a who's who. Who's who. And then I thought of you, uh, G.K., while I was at a sports book watching the Duke-North Carolina game. And I was thinking, you know, if G.K. was here, she'd be super excited. But uh, listen, big week for us, G.K. We will be at Radio Row beginning Tuesday. Yeah, no. Uh, t- talk about that Duke North Carolina game. What a butt whooping! It was so. It was so <laughs> great. I loved it. I loved it. Um, yeah, I was jealous because I definitely, you know, Vegas is like a second home to us. So I, I was know. really jealous that you got to got to go. Um, was there anything like that ma- massively stood out? Because I know that you went to a Knights game. Um, before, right? Was it before? Well, so no, you know, it, it, I mean, I mean. The um, hockey all-star game, like they took over the weekend. So there was a skills competition on uh, Friday. The all-star game was on Saturday. Uh, You know, the cool thing about it is they had practice for the Pro Bowl at the Las Vegas ballpark where the AAA team plays. And it was really cool because, you know, during the course of the season, like a lot of the access that we've gotten uh, with players has been via Zoom. And so to really kind of, you know, Talk to guys again face to face was uh cool and and it was amazing uh to see again all the different jerseys from teams around the, the league again Las Vegas is a melting pot it's a transient city where you got Bears fans Packers fans Cowboys fans and whatnot so like all those fans uh came out but 
they got to do something about that game. I mean, I, 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 I get that they have to play it because it's a – no matter – what I say about it or what p- people say about it on social media, like 9 million people are projected to have viewed that game. And that's a, that, that, that's a lot of money for the league. So the league will always have the pro bowl, but I don't know. I mean, is there, is, is there a middle ground where, where, where this is not a two hand touch game? I mean, I was amazed that that was the uh, case, but exciting weekend in Las Vegas transitioning into again, the Super Bowl. Here this week in Los Angeles, the first time Los Angeles is hosting the game in almost 30 years, January of 1993. It was the Cowboys and the Bills at the Rose Bowl. That was the last time that we hosted the Super Bowl. And the Rams now one win away from becoming the first Los Angeles NFL team to win the Super Bowl since the Raiders did so back in 1984, I believe. So... Just an exciting time here in Los Angeles. Jihei, and another fun little tidbit for uh, you, and, and, and I remember this because I was at this press conference. The first time that the Rams arrived in Los Angeles back in uh, 2016, they met for the first time at a Manhattan Beach hotel, and they got together, and Jeff Fisher has, uh, you know, kind of told the team what this process was going to be like you know, where they were looking to set up camp and their practice facility and things like that. That, that, that. that was the first time that the St. Louis Rams were meeting as a team as the Los Angeles Rams. That Manhattan Beach Hotel, G. Hey, and I'm not going to name it, but I'm just going to say it's in Manhattan Beach, is going to be the host hotel, the team hotel for the Rams this week going into the Super Bowl. So, you know, if you're wondering how different municipalities are involved in this big game. Again, you know, it, it's really centered at SoFi Stadium. You have the media center in downtown. But South Bay, GA, your hometown of Manhattan Beach, will be the host hotel, the home hotel for the Rams. And it, it's kind of like a full circle moment for them because I remember that was their first team meeting, their first press conference for the players and the coaches. And uh, just an exciting time when you look at how far this team has come. Yeah, definitely. Wasn't it early on Jeff Fisher that even said, "Don't, don't reside here because it's too much of a party town." Exactly. <laughs> I think, I think that was his dream. I think you know when you look at it's the home of the Lakers and the Kings and the Clippers are nearby and like the Chargers are about to move out here. I think ideally, all these teams would love to be in the South Bay. It's a great community obviously right by the beach you know if you have to fly you're right by there and so I, I think he knew though that when they were looking at land and again you need two football fields maybe th- three football fields you need a training facility a headquarters there was not a footprint at that moment where they could make that their home so I think he knew listen guys because I saw a lot of those Rams players were at the shell back that night and listen, you go to the show back for the first time, as you well know, you're looking at the pier, you're looking at the sunset, you're looking at it's what a great community this is. And they're hanging out with, you know, Kings players and they're saying how great this town is. You, you, you cannot live in Manhattan Beach if you're training where they are. I mean, they're up in Thousand Oaks right now. I mean, so that, that, that's just not going to work. So I think that was the message from Jeff Fisher, but obviously – it makes sense for them to stay there this week because SoFi Stadium, not a long drive away from there. So um, they will, however, be uh, training this week at their facility. It's going to be very much a normal week for them in terms of 
you know, training, practicing, and even when you get to the game, and you know, the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals are technically the home team, but the Rams will be staying in their home locker rooms. Uh, they will be standing on their home sideline. They will be wearing their modern throwback, which is arguably their most popular home uniform. I mean, it, it's just going to really feel like a home game for them. But yeah, I, I remember that that conversation. Cause I think a lot of the players were like, Oh my God, we love Manhattan beach. It's like, well, you can come here on your like golf day, but it's not going to be close to where we're looking. Cause even back then they were looking at Woodland Hills, Thousand Oaks, Agura Hills and things like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize unless you live in Los Angeles, um, how far away <laughs> Manhattan beach is from everything other than uh, the SoFi stadium and other than, um, the airport, it is not close to anything. You know, we're, yeah. we are definitely a little bit of a world apart from, you know, Hollywood, the West Side, um, th- the Valley. You know, we're pretty far away from all that stuff, which I, I love. I'm very okay with it. But um, yeah, uh, we're not really close to all of that stuff. So I, I don't blame Jeff Fisher initially, you know, when he was the Rams coach. Uh, for saying, you know what, come here on your off day, but it's going to be nowhere near where <laughs> we're, we're going to be holding uh, practices and um, other meetings and such. But it, it is a great selling point, you know, of oh, yeah. why you want to come to L.A. It's beautiful out here, and it's supposed to be great all week long as well, right? It's supposed to be like 70-plus this whole entire Gee, hey, The weather could not be greater. Again, I mean, this is normally, you know, this is not breaking news. I mean, we normally have good weather here, but you never know. You know, uh, you, when you host an event like the Super Bowl, the hope is people from around the world come here and you show them a really good time. And then, then they come back and then you host the Super Bowl again. It's picture perfect. You get 75 degrees and sunny. And on Super Bowl Sunday, It'll be like 79. I mean, it's going to be a warm day. Yeah, no, it's supposed to be like uh, worse comes worse. And also the further inland you go, the warmer it's going to be too. So I can only imagine how hot SoFi Stadium is going to be because it encapsulates a lot of heat. So I th- I've, I have yeah. the feeling that it's just going to be like twofold, like a really, really, really hot day. Um, but it'll like you said, it's going to be so picturesque. I think like if you look at aerial shots of SoFi, it's going to be just so pretty. So I'm sure oh, that yeah. whoever whoever's coming in from Ohio is going to be ecstatic <laughs> right now in, in comparison to, uh, you know, going to staying in Ohio. Um, I'm sure the players, like everybody, you know, coaching staff, fans from Cincinnati are going to be just super happy about all that just because it is it is 75 and sunny here majority of the time. So yeah. I'm I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that. You know the unfortunate thing about the Super Bowl, of, of course, GA, it is the is normally an expensive ticket. That goes without saying. This Super Bowl, in particular, perhaps part of it has to do with the home team playing in it, is the most expensive ticket in pro football history. In the history of the National Football League, there has not been a more expensive, like, average ticket price. The average ticket price right now is $8,520. That's the average. Again, it could be higher. It could be lower. Um, Amazingly, that is more than twice as much was the average ticket price the last time the Rams played the Patriots only a couple of years ago in uh, 2019. The average for that game was $3,900. So you're talking about twice as much. And 
even G, I never have thought this price would get topped. Remember last year in Tampa Bay, there was less than 25,000 fans. And I said, this will be the most expensive ticket of all time. Because not only is the home team playing in the Super Bowl, the first time that that had happened in the 55-year history of the Super Bowl, but there's only 25,000 tickets. I mean, there's just not that many tickets. Normally, um, the Super Bowl is held in a stadium that could seat 70,000 fans. This Super Bowl is already a thousand times more expensive than that. Not a thousand, a thousand dollars. So that uh, ticket price was seven thousand three hundred. This one again is eight thousand five hundred. So uh, you know the unfortunate thing there is there's so many people in Los Angeles that would love to go and support the Rams. I know that there will be support for the Rams. It's just it turned into a very corporate event, and I, I don't know a way around that. Again, the league is. Not going to say no to money. We know how much they love. Listen, people love money, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, the league especially loves money. And so I, the, I just think the unfortunate thing is, you know, happy that Los Angeles gets to experience the Super Bowl in terms of the uh, all the events around town, all the parties and things like that. But when you get to, to the game itself, I just wish there was a way for more fans to be able to afford that. Because, again, we were talking about the conference championship game two weeks ago and how it was crazy that that, you know, just to get the cheapest ticket was like $700 or something like that. I mean, this is, uh, th- this is, this is, you know, 7000 was the cheapest ticket, uh, as soon as the Rams won, now at least that price has dipped a little bit. But geez, GA, I mean, when you're talking about five thousand dollars just to get the cheapest ticket, that's way too much. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is a corporate event, which is really yeah. unfortunate. Um, I, but at the end of the day, it is it. The NFL is a business, yeah. you know, and it it's going to take the highest bidder. It's not going to take somebody that's like, hey, we're here for charity. Let's yeah. no. Let's give you a ticket. Like it's fine. You you know Cincinnati hasn't been the Super Bowl in how long? Like we'll give you guys a ticket. That's fine. Like Rams haven't won a Super Bowl since you know ninety nine. Like that's fine. We'll give you it. Like they're just they're not a charitable um, no. cause, right? So yeah, but yeah, eight grand is ridiculous. I mean, what is this Duke, North Carolina in Cameron? Like no. <laughs> Like any- I love how you – that was your comparison. It is. Now, hold up. What What is, like, the cheapest ticket to, like, a Duke – like, a big Duke game like that? I mean, because I, no, I have no point of reference. I don't know. I mean, is that – do 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 they sell Duke tickets for, for that price? Yes. Yeah, so if you've ever been to Cameron 2, by the way, it's tiny. It's like a high school gym. It's, like, not even big. You're, like – you're on top of a sweaty, like, co- co-ed. Like, it's, it's gross in there. It's, like, really – but, like – it's one of the best places to watch a game. But yes, so Duke, North Carolina um, is av- on average, it is like two to three thousand dollars for a ticket for Duke, North Carolina. Um, yeah. When during the Zion um, RJ Barrett era, uh, somebody paid like ten thousand dollars for a ticket. Which I wow. which I thought was ridiculous. I'm like, you know that there's no like VIP seating, right? Like you're gonna be like worst comes to worst, you're on court side or you're like next to some you know, next to some kid that's like in full blue paint. Like you're not in a <laughs> you're not in a VIP spot. You're like you're not paying yeah. for a suite or anything like that. Like everybody is piled yeah. on top of each other. Even the poor media guys, they are in a small little box. Like they it's tiny. Like the um where the like Jay Billis and all of them like talk um in in that little 
uh, media box. It's small. It's not really comfortable. So, um, but yeah, I mean, at at least for your 8,500, you're in an actual seat and you're in a big, huge stadium arena. But like at Duke, it's not like that because it's so small in there. But yeah, I think that was the most expensive game was the Duke um, RJ Barrett game. I've talked to alumni and that are going and I think they paid like 2,500, three grand for their seat uh, to go to the last game. Yeah. But it's, it's a historic game. You know, it's because like Coach K is going to be gone after this year. So why not go to his last game? And if you can, especially if you can afford it, if you can afford a $3,000 ticket, go nuts. Um, But yeah, I, I just don't see for, for this particular event for the Super Bowl, going back to the Super Bowl, I just don't see paying 85. I can't justify paying $8,500 for a nosebleed seat. I, I just can't. I'd rather watch it in the comfort of my own home, eating some nachos and uh, enjoying myself. And because here's the thing, Jay. I mean, the majority of people that are going to come to town this week are here for the week, and then they go home. And people are surprised by that. But I, I mean, the way that that, that I explained it, you know, SoFi holds seventy thousand seats. Uh, the majority of people who are coming to town, they are here for the parties, they are here for the events, they are here for the media, for work, to mingle, to schmooze, to have a good time. And then by Sunday morning, you hop on that flight back home, and then you're, like you just said, you're in front of your TV set, you got your guacamole, you got your nachos. You can really get a good view of the game. I mean, having covered and having been so lucky to have covered a a lot of Super Bowls, you a you miss the commercials. Some years the commercials are not that good, but like listen, you you get the commercials. You also get that that commentary, the replay, and things like that. You know when you're like at the Super Bowl itself, some of that gets lost on you. So there's so many people out there who again enjoy watching the game at home. They will be here during the course of the week, but then come Super Bowl Sunday, are like. I would rather be at home, listen, probably with your friends or your family at a Super Bowl party or, or things like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, I, this is going to be a very – again, we watched last year's Super Bowl together, and that was a lot of fun. And then we got to experience Tampa post the Buccaneers winning. So that, that was a good time. Um, very interested to see you know, if the Rams can win, how Los Angeles responds. Not – I don't want people to go crazy, but, you know – I do think this is a moment where the Rams can become this, you know, Los Angeles's beloved team again. And they were, I mean, pe- people forget that. I know this was like a long time ago, but you know, from 1946 to 1979, they were a very beloved team here in Los Angeles. They were this, the city's only pro football team. They were the city's own first professional sports team. And then they left, and and so I, th- I think this is a huge moment in time where the where the fact that this game is in Los Angeles, the fans here are going to get to experience the week of the Super Bowl, and if the Rams can find a way to win, and perhaps right after that have a championship parade on Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. I mean, I, I just think this is a big moment. I mean, it goes without saying, but this is more than just the championship. When you look at how do you. Uh, gauge a team's success in a new market. And this is a new market for them. This game is massive. It is beyond just the Super Bowl win massive. When you talk about the, um, the you know, why you built a $5 billion cathedral for football, this is the moment. You know, you, you're going to get to host the Super Bowl, but you're also in that moment going to 
be able to win over Los Angeles. And that's not a simple thing to do. But this game right here, and we're only six days away, amazingly. I mean, this is right around the corner. You're not going to have a more significant game because all those fans out there who are thinking, well, Los Angeles is a Raiders town or it's a, uh, you know, San Francisco 49ers town. Listen, Los Angeles, at the end of the day, reps Los Angeles. And if the Rams win and the Super Bowl champions are in Los Angeles, and then there's a parade down Figueroa the day after the game or two two days after the game, Los Angeles will support the Rams. I promise you they will. They may not if they lose, and that's the kind of town we are, but that's okay. But you have to win. Championships are the only currency that matters. That's the only currency that's recognized by the sports fans in Los Angeles. And the Lakers became beloved because they came here and won. The Dodgers were beloved because they came here and won. And the Rams, if they can win a Super Bowl within their first six years here, they will be beloved as well. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will hear from Sean McVay and Odell Beckham Jr. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now a word from our newest sponsor, NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Do it now. And now... Let's go back to the show. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, Super Bowl week is upon us. We are going to be at Super Bowl Radio Row all this week, really previewing this game. Rams. Cincinnati Bengals. It's not a matchup that a lot of people thought we would see at the beginning of the season. And we just didn't think that the Cincinnati Bengals would get there. And then come November, when the Rams lost three straight, we didn't think the Rams would be here. And then Dodell Beckham Jr., OBJ joins the team. Let's now hear from him. Um, Hodell Beckham Jr. And Rams head coach Sean McVay, who has now led the Rams to the Super Bowl for the second time in the past five years and now has a chance to win the Super Bowl while Los Angeles is first in four years. Let's now hear from them. Um, just want to check on uh, the, the lengthy list there, especially wondering about uh, what happened with Jalen uh, and Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, we're just giving those guys rest, Jordan. It's kind of like what you said. So, Nobody's uh, status for the game is affected. I honest, I don't have the injury report, but those guys, the Jalen's, the Whitworths, the Van Jeffersons, Cam Akers, that's all just using the extra week of preparation just to give them rest. Um, those guys, will, they'll be ready to roll next week. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Sean. Um, is there anyone on the team who you would uh, point to as kind of an unsung hero, somebody who's made a vital contribution without – maybe glamour or awards? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that would absolutely be candidates, whether it's guys that have stepped up to fill voids and vacancies by some guys that are starters. 
Um, you know, a guy that comes to mind that's played really good football that probably hasn't get, gotten the recognition that he deserves, who I thought was outstanding last week, was uh, Ashawn Robinson. Uh, I think he's been great. Um, and I also thought, you know, some of the unsung heroes were the way that our offensive line competed against an excellent front in the 49ers. So, you know, those guys at the line of scrimmage, but Ashawn really stands out as a guy that, that stepped up and is, he's played really good football these last couple months. Uh, and then I was uh, really pleased and proud of the way that the uh, the offensive line competed against an excellent front from the 49ers. Hey, coach, um, just talking a little bit about you talk about unsung heroes, but just talking about Ernest Jones and his return, his impact, especially all that he had to go through and still was able to return, um, and, you know, for the playoffs and obviously in time for the Super Bowl. Just what that means to you and just his his progress and his tenacity uh, to return to the field. Yeah, he's a, he's a great competitor, Nick. Uh, he's got so much upside. He's got so many great leadership traits and characteristics that just come natural to him. But he, you know, as soon as he had that injury, you know, he was working hard to get back out there. Uh, I've loved the way really that inside linebackers group as a whole has played. I think Troy Reader's been great. We've talked about T. Howard a lot, but being able to get Ernest back in the mix, um, I was uh, really pleased. He did a nice job. He brings a physical presence, great range, good concept, trigger, and instincts, and um, looking forward to him really building on the, on that performance that he had against the Niners. Oh, hey, Sean. Um, uh, Johnny Hecker, Rob Havenstein, and Aaron, uh, I think, are the only three uh, players that actually came out here in, in 2016, the year before you arrived. And you obviously had them through this run. So just wondering if you can describe how you've seen each of those guys evolve in your time with them. And also, um, what Matt Orzak has uh, has brought to the team this year. What Matt Orzak, say, say that again for me, Gary, kind of cut out. Oh, well, I, I just wanted you to, to kind of assess how uh, Rob Havenstein, Johnny Hecker, and, and Aaron Donald have kind of evolved, you know, with your time with them as kind of those original guys that were part of the Rams. And then also uh, wanted you to kind of just assess how Matt Orzak uh, what he's brought to the team. Oh, Orzek. I thought you said yeah. Matt or Zach. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, no, Orzek, I'll start with Orzek and then I'll answer your original question. He's done a great job. You know, he came in, he was in competition for the long snap position. Jake McQuaid had done such a great job establishing himself as a big time, you know, contributor and leader of the special teams unit. And then for Orzek to come in and, and do what he's done, been really impressed. Um, he's got a lot of upside, great accuracy. He does a nice job in protection as well, but the rapport that he has with both Johnny and Matt, uh, I think is vital to the success of both our field goal operation and our punt operation. So been really pleased with him. You can tell that, uh, you know, the teammates really like him and, and he's only gotten better as he's accumulated experience throughout the year. So uh, we're really pleased with him. As far as those three guys that, that you're talking about, you know, Rob Havenstein is a guy that I've really loved watching his growth and maturation uh, as a big time player, I can remember the first spring that we came here, we actually had him playing guard position. Um, and then he seamlessly moved back out to the natural spot at tackle. And I think he's been so productive. He worked through some injuries, um, you know, going back to the 19th season, but he's really become a leader of that group. I think, you know, obviously Andrew does such a great job with the offensive line, but Rob has really asserted himself. Um, as a great leader for that operation and, and for the offensive line. And I thought that was really apparent last year when Whitworth was down for a handful of weeks um, with the knee injury that he sustained against Seattle going back to the 20 season. So Rob's been great. Uh, Johnny Hecker, he was really a great leader uh, from the time that I got here. Uh, the, the teams, you know, special teams had really been relying on him. 
He was one of the premier players at his position in the league, and he's got such a great way about himself. So like anything else, somebody that's intentional about doing things the right way, perfecting their craft, but also making a positive impact on their teammates. Um, that's Johnny Hecker. And I've, I've, I came into a situation where he was a great player, great leader, and I've just seen him grow since then. And then Aaron Donald, very similar um, in terms of the, the resume, the body of work that he already had, but watching him take it to the next level. I can remember, you know, you know that Aaron was a really important factor because uh, part of the interview process entailed uh, me meeting Aaron and him being like, all right, you know, I guess this little guy can maybe uh, be a head coach for us. But he's been an outstanding competitor. Um, he is one of one. I've loved every second of getting to know him. And really, I think over the last couple of weeks, we've really talked about this. You guys have asked a lot of questions. I think he's elevated his leadership. He's elevated his game. And the greats make everybody around them better. And, and that's what Aaron has done ever since I got here and uh, been so fortunate for him. Yeah. Sean, I know, I know the LA coaching com uh, community is such a close-knit group. Uh, Dave Roberts said he reached out to you after you guys won the NFC Championship game. I wonder if uh, Coach Frank Vogel of the Lakers or any other coaches here in LA or you know, even in the NFL have reached out to you and, and what they said to you. Yeah, it's a pretty special thing, Michael. Um, I, I would say one of the most unique things and one of the things that I've really enjoyed is, you know, getting an opportunity to meet other special leaders and that kind of that connection that you're able to, to establish. Um, Dave Roberts and I, I got a chance to meet him going back to when I first got here. And I just have tremendous respect for the way that he leads. Uh, John Gordon, who's an author and writes a bunch of great books. Uh, he actually kind of connected us to, we have very similar philosophies, but He's been a huge influence on me and I've really stayed in great contact with him. And I've really been a big fan of the Dodgers, you know, starting because, you know, you're living in LA, but also because of Dave Roberts. And so we have kept in touch, got to have a great relationship with Doc Rivers. He and I still really keep in great touch. Um, you know, guys like Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse, it, it's been a really cool thing, Michael, but you know, the guys that I keep in touch with that are local coaches, you know, uh, Dave and I keep in, uh, you know, really good contact. And then, you know, I know Doc's not here anymore, but, but Doc Rivers and I, he's, he's been a, a huge influence on me as well. Hi, Sean. What did you glean from your last Super Bowl experience that you can kind of incorporate to this one? And then maybe what are some things that maybe you learned that you're like, maybe next time I get there, I won't do that again. Yeah, I, I think uh, what I would say, Tyler, uh, is it's a little bit different because we're at home. We truly do have kind of two weeks and, and not as many media obligations. So I think what you feel good about is, all right, using that previous experience as a way to allocate the way that we want to implement the game plan, keep it fresh, make sure guys are able to operate on the 13th with the quiet in mind, but but making sure that we kind of space it out in a manner that it can be really digestible. Uh, that's, that's probably the first thing. And then I think the next thing is, is making sure that you do a great job of, of seeing the game in live action, making any necessary adjustments that are required based on the different things that they want to try to prevent uh, schematically to help put our players in the right spots. Uh, hey, Sean, I saw that uh, Higby was already listed as doubtful on the injury report and just want to get your thoughts on how Kendall Blanton has, has especially stepped up the past two weeks. He's done a great job, Steve. I think, uh, you know, Wes Phillips does such a great job with that group, the, the clarity that he provides, the detail that that position plays with. And um, all Kendall's done is just answer the bell. You look at, I mean, he catches a touchdown against the Bucks, and then he's catching a comeback as an isolated player on the backside of a three by one, you know, versus one of their starting corners in the Bucks. And so competed well in the run game. And then when Tyler went down against the 49ers, uh, he did a great job. You know, there were some things that we felt really good about getting the tight end involved. And, 
you know, you just talk about the ability to execute and, and deliver when your number is called. And Kendall did that. I also thought he showed really well in the run game. Um, you can see he's a big, he's got such a big surface and, and a big frame that he can cover guys up and stay connected and run his feet through contact, but been really pleased with him. He did an excellent job. And uh, I think that confidence that he's built up over the last couple of weeks, if Tyler isn't able to go, will serve him well, that, that he knows he belongs and, and can do a great job if his number's called. Hey, Odell. First of all, congratulations for making it to the Super Bowl. This is a game when every player has to prove his worth as an individual and a teammate. What is the attitude of the team right now to get ready for next week? Um, without, you know, trying to downplay it, like, obviously, understanding it's the Super Bowl, it's the most important game. It's just about being you and doing your job to the, uh, your ability, um, being laser focused on the details, um, and just completing your assignment. Like, pretty, pretty simple. If you just put it that way and not trying to overthink it and have to go out and do more, you know, you, there, there's a reason that we're here. There's a reason they're here. Um, and we just got to come out and play our best game. Hey, Odell. Um, just curious what the process has been for you with family and friends in terms of getting organized, and who may be coming to the game and all tickets and all that kind of stuff. If it's gone smooth for you or if that's been a little bit hectic and crazy. I mean, you know, everybody comes out the woodworks to see about tickets. But, um, you know, I have a very good team around me that I put in position to to handle those kind of things. And, um, you know, the system works. So. You just rely on that. And, you know, I posted on my Instagram the other day, like I'm locking in, like, you know, I don't have the time to do this or that and all the comp. Like I'm, uh, I just have one goal to focus on. So I let them handle the tickets. Tickets are, it's done. It's over with. Um, and you just lock in and, and start to prepare for the game. Hey, OBJ, first and foremost, wanted to get an update on the baby and then wanted to know how the week's been for you. Has, has anyone reached out to you, former teammates, friends, just how excited is everybody for you? Um, the baby is still pending and loading, um, any moment. And I'm truly just excited about that in my heart. Like it just, it, it's, it's the craziest feeling, um, you know, as we're waiting for that. So I'll keep you posted. And as far as people reaching out teammates and, and all that, everyone, you know, has definitely been there and it's just a, you know, proud of you, happy for you. Um, now go win it, you know, that kind of vibe that you get. So. Uh, you definitely feel the love, but you're just trying to, you know, for me, it's hard for me to even hear anything else right now because I am I just feel like I'm just right here and, and just trying to lock in. Hi, Odell. Um, L.A. Rams fans have never celebrated a Super Bowl victory. Obviously, St. Louis Rams fans did, but not L.A. Rams fans. What, do you see signs? Uh, do you hear and see things around town uh, that tell you what this would mean? to fans here? Yeah, um, I think I, we all understand the task at hand and, you know, just seeing the signs and seeing the excitement, just everything that, that's coming with it um, and how badly, you know, the, the Los Angeles deserves this. Uh, and we just have to go out and execute. It's just honestly all I could think of and say is we have to go out, execute and finish the job. Um, and that's just it. So I know it would mean a lot. Uh, just got to find a way to get it done. Hey, Odell, from when you first joined the team until now, in what ways has your experience with the Rams met or even perhaps exceeded your expectations? 
I mean, playing in the Super Bowl is everything you could have ever dreamed of. Um, when when I was sitting at home and there was nothing but silence and it was, you know, just me and God just sitting there, this is what came over me. Um, you know, it, it, it was Los Angeles Rams and, you know, uh, the opportunity to do exactly um, what we're doing right now. So it's just pretty crazy to me. Uh, just, you know, the power of manifestation, uh, belief, belief, faith, all, all those things, you know, be exactly where I'm at now um, with the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Hey, Odell, got a two-parter here. But first off, you got familiarity with this team. I mean, haven't faced them uh, last season. So also just some familiarity with, with the Bengals and what they try to do um, against you offensively. And also, you know, coming back, I think the last time you played them is when you hurt that knee. Um, any, any, any thoughts like that surface or just, you know, anything about maybe facing this team again? You know, it's pretty crazy to to think about that, actually. Um, I was only in for two plays. Right. It just, you know, I never really even put it into perspective or thought about that. Just kind of, it just kind of goes along with all the manifestation and the full circleness um, and how I talk about how this just feels divine and destined and all those things. And, um, you know, besides that game, I can't, I don't really remember playing the Bengals like that, but I know anybody in that whole division, like those teams are tough, like hard-nosed football teams. Um, and and we have a, you know, a very big challenge at our hands. And it's, like I say, if you simplify it, it's about doing your job to the best of your ability, every single play, locked in on the details, um, executing and, and just, you know, winning. So, I think we all know, you know the challenge we face and just got to find a way to get it done. Appreciate it, though. Yes, sir. We're going to wrap up with the last three, Maria, Tom, then Katie. Go ahead, Maria. Hey, Odell, when you talk about being locked in and, you know, coaches talk about having a quieted mind, how do you sort of get there? What's your process for that? You just make the choice in your mind that, you know, any of the outside noise, distractions, all these things that could be something, uh, to play into it, you just you just eliminate them, and at least eliminate them until it gets to the Saturday. Because no matter what anyone says, when it gets to that that game, you're gonna feel the energy. You're gonna, you know, feel like it, it's it's finally here. So I think right now, for me, I got um, you know a very good distraction of you know waiting for a child to be born. So just focus on that right now, getting your mind, your body right, um, and everything else will take care of itself. Hey, Odell, good to see you. Yes, sir. Um, you talked to, you referenced it a couple of times about, you know, this isn't a straight line journey for you to, to the Super Bowl. Did some of those pitfalls make this a little sweeter for you now that you're here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it, it's been tough. It's been a rough since 2017, you know, shattering your ankle, busting your ass, coming back time and time again, and just things just never um, – you know, went the way that I would like. Uh, and, and like I keep talking about, it just was that faith, you know, staying down, staying prayed up, um, never doubting or or not believing in yourself. That that makes this, you know, very special for me to, to be able to have an opportunity 
uh, to plan a Super Bowl. This is you sacrifice it all just for these moments. Um, so I know the opportunity that's at hand. I don't take it lightly. And uh, I'm just going to find a way to get my very best game for one more game. Hey, thanks, Adele. Um, there's some old, you know, videos and photos of you doing jersey swaps with Jalen Ramsey in 2018 and Aaron Donald in 2019. And I would just, you know, first of all, I'd love to hear about how much it factored into your decision to come here to to play with people that you have such mutual respect with. Um, and then also I would love to just hear a little bit about your Jersey swap collection over the years and what that ritual means to you. Uh, it's just for, so for the Jersey swap collection, if, if you were to walk through my house, you'll see like all the, the framed jerseys like throughout the hallway. And there's a, you know, what I call like a legacy room, which has, you know, more jerseys and old cleats and gloves and, um, you know, all of those things like, I gave my entire life for this game of football. Um, as crazy as that sounds, you know, any other sport, any other dream, any other aspiration, it just was, this was it. Um, so, you know, when you got guys, Jalen Ramsey, AD, Vaughn Miller, um, these are guys who you've battled against, you have nothing but respect for. And it's just memories that, that'll last a lifetime. Uh, so the, the jersey swap will continue as long as I'm, you know, playing and around. And um, I definitely would, I would like to tell you, I have a pretty good Jersey collection. Still a few guys that I would need to get, but it's definitely something that's special to me. And, um, you know, definitely holds value. In the, I was going to say, I saw some, like, like some, so you know, soccer uh, up there in the video. Do you know yeah. all kinds of sports? Yeah. Neymar, Oliver, Brady, you know, Ronaldo. I mean, it, it's just something that's, that's special for me. All right. That was Odell Beckham Jr. and Sean McVay. Um, again, these new pieces on the Rams have fit in seamlessly. When you talk about OBJ, when you talk about Von Miller, when you talk about the offseason trade for a Matthew Stafford, they've all come in and done exactly what they thought they would do. And now they are one win away from winning the Super Bowl in their home stadium. It's effectively a home game for the Rams. Home stadium, home locker room, home sideline, home jerseys, home practice facility this entire week. All they got to do is win one more game, and they will be Super Bowl champions. And we'll be here all week previewing it for you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.